If you are hearing this episode, it means I got my M1 Mac Mini set up correctly. Yes, I'm one of those people. I've got one of the new machines and I'm very happy about it. In this episode, I'm going to be talking about my experiences setting up the machine because I think it will be a benefit to others who are either thinking about getting one or you've just got it and you're doing a clean install and some little tips that are going to help you along the way. So first up, this is the first time I've actually set up a new Big Sur install from the get-go. Now previously I have done upgrades on my 16-inch MacBook Pro and it was interesting that there was a slight difference, should we say, between the the setup process. When I first powered up the, the M1 Mac Mini, you get a couple of screens come up that I hadn't seen before, just asking some of the usual questions about, you know, iCloud account and that. But there was a couple of things in there I noticed that were different from doing an upgrade, which was interesting. And it's probably also partially because maybe those questions didn't need answering because I'd already done them on previous installs of Mac OS. So that maybe was to account for there. But there's one very noticeable one that I, I think is worth talking about. There's been talk about trying to do away with kernel extensions, or you may have seen them as KEXT, referred to as KEXT extensions, K-E-X-T. And what that is, they're extensions to the kind of the kernel, as it were, on Mac OS. And this is something Apple's trying to move people away from. You will see this a lot of the time, and this is what happened in my case with audio applications. So... For example, I use audio applications like Audio Hijack to record things, and that installs some helpers, right? Some extensions to capture the audio, move it around to different sources, destinations, all those kind of things. Now, when you do that, currently they are these kernel extensions. And when you try to install those, I noticed it came up with a dialogue that I had to make some changes to some security settings. And I had never seen this before doing in uh, previous upgrades from Big Sur. So what happens is you have to boot into a safe security mode, as it were. And when you do that, it comes up with a panel and you have to change what's called the security policy for a particular hard drive. So in my case, I, I chose the Macintosh HD. And then it comes up with this very cleverly, very crafted message the kudos to apple's marketing department i think for this one because there's two options right so you select your hard drive in my case macintosh hd there's the standard setting that it's set for which is full security which basically says ensures that only your current os or signed operating system software currently trusted by apple can run this mode requires a network connection as software installation time the other one is just beautifully named reduced security. So kudos to Apple for making it sound more scary than it is. What this does is it's got two checkboxes and it says allow any version of signed operating system software over trusted by Apple to run. So there's two checkboxes. The first one is allow user management of kernel extensions for identified developers. That's the one you want to check, right? That lets me install the extensions for capturing audio and like I say, moving them around and all of those kind of things that you commonly see with audio applications, at least in my case. The other one is to allow remote management of a kernel extensions and automatic software updates. I left that one unchecked because it's only me. I don't need to manage this system remotely, so everything's fine. But I just thought it was funny how they called it quote unquote reduced security. Anyway, once you do that and you click OK, the machine's going to reboot a couple of times. 
and eventually you'll get back into the normal operating system. And at that point, you will see the familiar dialogue appear in the security settings where it says allow program X to run and install whatever it is. Funnily enough, the first one that came up was to allow Apple software to install and run, which I thought was funny because surely they would trust their own software. But anyway, after I've allowed that one, it then came up and said about, I forget if it was Soundflower or something like that, the audio one, and everything was fine. So from then on out, you're going to see that warning. But the interesting part is you don't get any of that until you've turned on the reduced security which was different because on my MacBook Pro, I had never had this happen to me. Now, what I suspect is, like I say, previous inversions of the OS I had installed had basically set this up and said, look, just go ahead and give him the button in the security dialog that says allow this to run. So I want to mention that because that was a big thing and it's very noticeable compared to my other installations. After that, I have a bash script to install my fonts, my applications and everything else using Homebrew. So all of those installed, well, most of them installed. There was a couple that didn't, but that was really just me having to update my script. After that, everything's set up and installed for the most part. And then I just have to run the applications, put in my licenses, uh, change any preferences, things like that. But it, it saves me having to go and find all of those applications and install them. So if you can, I recommend doing that. I'll put a link in the show notes to my script. It's hosted up on GitHub. Take a look at it. It's very simple. I'm pretty certain I borrowed the format from somebody else, so I don't take credit for it. I just changed it to what I needed it to be, but it may help you. It's certainly great for just installing things, all the standard things, right? Like for example, my case, 1Password, there was also some browsers that I installed, Firefox, Chrome, Brave, all those kind of things. They're all just listed there and it just automatically installs them one after the other for me on the bash command line, along with fonts as well and, and that kind of thing. And also I've got some tweaks in there to adjust, you know, OS things like automatically ask for the password from the screensaver. Don't wait five minutes. I have it set to automatically do it straight away. And things like the repeating keyboard, key speed, and all those kind of things that I just don't have to bother going and changing because the script does it for me. It, does, it doesn't do everything. It's not complete, but it gets me 80% of the way there. So you should really think about doing that as well. And in case you're wondering, the reason I, did a, I wanted to do a fresh setup instead of restoring from my other machine is anytime I get new hardware like this, I take it as an opportunity to just, you know, flush out everything, clean everything out and start again and also only install the applications I need and there's no other little bits of apps floating around or anything like that. Now, the one caveat to that script, by the way, is you must install Xcode first because it's going to use some of the command line tools. So I should back up and say the first thing I did after I logged into the machine was install Xcode from the store, which I think is 12.4 at the moment, something like that. So anyway, got all of that out of the way. Everything was fine. I did a quick bit of playing around, make sure everything felt okay. And I got to say, straight off the bat, very snappy. This, this M1 with the 16 gig of RAM, very responsive. Uh, Xcode only took a couple of bounces to the icon to get running and all that kind of thing. I found the experience to be very good. Safari loaded very quickly compared to my MacBook Pro. So I was impressed by that. There was also, interestingly, at least one screensaver and some desktop wallpapers that 
I had not seen in Big Sur before, so I am certain that these ones came along with this version for the Mac Mini, which is always a nice little touch, have those extra little things that they're just not available to everybody, you get them on the new hardware, so that's nice. Next thing I did was I installed some of the basic apps that I use from the App Store, and then of course I went to my favorite service that I, as you well know, I love to death, which is SetApp. I'll put a link in the show notes to it by installed all the apps that I use like Ulysses and all of those kind of apps that SetApp service provides me that I, I just love them to death. So after that, uh, JetBrains Toolbox was installed, some tools I have there, and then I'm pretty much up and running. Of course, everything took a while to sync down from the cloud, but after that, the machine was good to go. I set up my SSH keys, and at that point, I'm ready to pretty much retire my MacBook Pro. So in all, I would say from beginning to end, it took a few hours, but a lot of that was really just waiting for the stuff to come down and the sync and everything else. So very happy with the setup. Everything's running beautifully from here on out. Then I decided to start pulling down some of my repos from GitHub. And I mentioned this because this is where it got me. Now, you know, pulling down my repos from GitHub, everything else was fine. What I hadn't anticipated, and upon reflection, maybe I foolishly should have known this or thought about it. Some of the NPM libraries that I use for some of my static sites that are built with like Gatsby and Next.js, there's a problem there. And I can't actually do an install of some of those libraries because they don't have the ARM x86 architecture in those libraries yet. And it never occurred to me this was going to be a problem. I'm lucky because it's those, and dare I say it, I can fire up my Windows machine and just make the changes I need to make to my websites there because I've got them on a Windows machine and it's there and it's great as a backup, which is kind of funny, I guess. But I'm sure eventually these libraries, of course, will have the right architecture in there for the ARM architecture and everything could be fine. But it never occurred to me that that would be a problem. So just watch out for that a little bit. Just want to mention that if, you know, if you're big into using those, a lot of us use Swift packages and things now, but there's still obviously a lot of use cases, especially with websites and web tools and Node apps and all of those kind of things where you're going to need to use Node packages and that may get you. The one that got me, by the way, was called Sharp. I think it's an image management one or image manipulation one for the static site generators that I use, like I say, that are built on React. But just watch out for it. That's the only thing that's got me so far. Other than that, this has been a very smooth transition for me. I'm very happy with it. I have to say the speed is very fast. I'm very impressed with it. It's been very stable for me so far. I haven't had any issues. But I've also only been running it for a week. So I've not had time to really push it. Xcode builds, I will say, are significantly faster than my MacBook Pro 16 with its i9 and 16 gig, which surprised me because I knew they'd be quicker because of what I'd read from everybody, but I was really surprised how quick they were. Nothing scientific there, just it's one of those where you stop and you notice and like, oh yeah, that was a lot faster. So I've got my M1 up and running. I've recorded my podcast and everything else on it now. So that's just a few of my experiences I wanted to share in this episode for anyone that's interested. Um, how it is, you know, what it's like to transition from not only the Intel platform to M1, but also to transition the hardware as well. So that's it in this episode. I'd love to hear your experiences and your thoughts and that of the the new M1 hardware. If you've gone through a similar process, 
You can reach out to me at CompileSwift on Twitter, or you can go to CompileSwift.com and reach out to me there. I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. I think it's going to be very interesting in the future, especially as we see rumors of the the new, even faster, quote-unquote, pro chips. With that, I will speak to you next time.